Welcome to Nerd Here Weekly, a podcast about the week's biggest stories in nerdy news. I'm Riley Trahan, Senior Entertainment Editor at Nerd It Here First, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Zipak Chetness. It's been so long since we've done this. Is this like a season premiere? Yeah, this is season two. We're starting season two right now, uh, and we're introducing a new character, Fred Neighbor. He says he's always joined by us, but we're doing so many different podcasts that everyone should check out, and like the hosts are always different on those. Yeah, we're going to talk about it in an ad break, and... Don't touch that mushroom, Jackson Trahan. It'll kill you, unless it won't. I thought the bit was that it was like a poison mushroom, because it was colored differently, but then it was just fine. I don't know. We're going to get into it. Mm. But first, we have a couple other things we want to talk about. At the beginning of the show here, we do want to mention, if you haven't yet subscribed to our newsletter, you can go to NIHF.com. Every Monday, you'll get a newsletter with the top stories of the week in your inbox, and this podcast. Plus, if you want to join the Nerd Here First community for a small monthly fee, you can get our bonus podcast, The Nerd Out, in which we talk about different topics like my first, we each host an episode a month, you should know that. So my first episode that we just recorded with Fred and Jack was which person in Super Smash Brothers would actually win the fight. And uh, uh, the next one we're doing is Fred and I talking Mass Effect for like 90 minutes. Yeah, I'm real excited about that one. We're, we're going to get into it. Um, I'm really hooked. I'm like probably about halfway through the first one, and I can't wait for us to... I keep delaying our record so I can play more game, um, which is a sign of a good a good conversation brewing. You're, so you're there's about three-fourths through, actually, if, if you're Oh, am it. I? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the moon right now, but we'll talk later. All right. Okay. Um, let's get into it, guys. We got a couple of big stories we want to get to this week, and we want to start off with a real just haymaker, as Deepak termed it, from Alan Moore our favorite comic book writer who hates comic books. Um, This is the headline from Deadline. Infantile love for Batman and other superheroes can be precursor to fascism, comics legend Alan Moore warns. Now, uh, I'll do a little bit of setup here, but I know that all of us are probably equally well-versed on Alan Moore, so I'm not going to like sit on my comics expert throne here. I kind of just want to do a little bit of table setting and then read this quote from uh, The Guardian, and then we'll get into it. So... Alan Moore, a famous comic book writer, wrote books like Watchmen, V for Vendetta, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, you know, among among many, many others. But I bring those... Killing Joke. Killing Joke, absolutely. But I I bring those three up to spotlight them because they're all kind of comics about fascism and the idea of of where heroism and fascism kind of intersect. And I'm going to read this slightly long quote that he gave, and then then I want to hear everybody's thoughts. So I won't... He has a... British accent and looks like a looks like, like a warlock, like a really chubby Gandalf. <laughs> like yeah, if a yeah. cartoon artist was trying to draw Rasputin. Yep. Yeah. No, we've all described it perfectly. Jack, do you want to do one? Uh, oh, gee, he sort of looks like uh, if a homeless man were going to give you a quest to save the world. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We all nailed it. All right. So here's the quote: Well-fed homeless man. I said, <laughs> I said round about 2011 that I thought that it had serious and worrying implications for the future if millions of adults were queuing up to see Batman movies. Because that kind of infantilization, that urge towards simpler times, simpler realities, that can very often be a precursor to fascism. He continued, hundreds of thousands of adults are lining up to see characters in situations that had been created to entertain the 12-year-old boys, and it was always boys, of 50 years ago. I didn't really start thinking that superheroes were adults adult fair. I think that this was a misunderstanding born of what happened in the 80s, to which I must put my hand up for considerable share of the blame, though it was not intentional. When things like Watchmen were first appearing, that was there was an awful lot of headlines saying comics have grown up. 
I tend to think that no, comics hadn't grown up. There were a few titles that were more adult than most people were used to, but the majority of comic titles were still pretty much the same as they'd ever been. It wasn't comics growing up. I think it was more comics meeting the emotional edge of the audience coming the, uh, coming the other way. All right, so that's what Morris said. It's also worthwhile to point out that my per- personal opinion on Alan Moore has always been that he thinks of himself as an author and everyone else in the world thinks of him as a comic book writer and he takes frequent pot shots at comic books to try and distance himself from the medium. But what did you guys think when you heard that our <laughs> favorite grumpy comics-hating warlock had uh, had once again risen from his mushroom house or wherever he lives? Well, so first I would just... Love to point out, thank you to all the ladies who go to Batman, because I know, according to Alan Moore, that you hate it, <laughs> right. um, but you're doing we it. really appreciate su- you guys suffering it through. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, <laughs> just, from bottom of my heart, I want to thank you guys. Sorry for putting up with that, but, you know. Can I, side tangent, Fred, and then I want to hear the rest of your thing, but on that joke, it took me years to realize that I was willingly and actively, like, begging my wife to go see movies with me in which really attractive men wear tights and like punch each other. And so one day I was like, oh, this isn't as bad for you as I, as I kind of thought it was. But anyway, continue. Um, yeah, no, it's a bad take, right? Like it's just, it's not a good take. Um, what I will, and I, I don't think Alan Moore was trying to say this, so I'm going to give him credit for something he wasn't trying to say anyway, but I'm going to do it. Um, Cause I think there's something to talk about here. I do think that there are some comic book heroes that people like and want to try to emulate, and they've missed the entire point of that hero. The and Tyler Durden problem. Exactly. That and, like, police the officers Rorschach wearing problem. the Punisher skull logo, right? Yep. Like that's, yeah, the Rorschach problem, the Punisher problem, right. the like, Joker problem. You've yes. missed the point, if you yep. like the character. That's not the point Almore was trying to make. No, um, but that's a more interesting conversation. Yes. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so th- that's really odd. I mean, Almore's a, he's kind of a crazy person, but, you know. Right. Deepak, this is the thing you and I have talked about a lot, right? Like the Tyler Durden problem. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where I watched Fight Club recently and I wrote about it on Letterboxd because I've had the kind of same feeling about it for a few years now where I revisit it and it's like a religious experience the first time you watch it in your teens or your 20s where you're like yeah fuck the establishment turn it all down we gotta start over and now you watch it and I say you when I mean the general you maybe not you specifically but like it just we go through a phase where we're really into this idea of you know nihilism and you know, everything has to stop. We've fucked up everything. And now you watch it and it just kind of <laughs> I get what he's saying, that it's 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 infantile. It's you know, maybe they're right in a big picture way, like, yeah, these establishments are fucked up, but the way they go about it or the characters that they attribute to correcting the system in a fictional setting are not the ones that you want to model your everyday behavior after. Yeah. And the other thing that bothers me a little bit, and this is kind of a, a, a nitpick thing, is that he says around about twenty eleven and he specifically calls out Batman and if you look at That's not right. you know verifiable calendars and things like that the most recent batman movie to have come out at the time of 2011 is the dark knight which is very unsubtly not fascist very unsubtly taking an aim at the bush administration and the patriot act and how wrong these things are so yeah i mean there's a whole batman set in piece. like yeah. yeah in like a holistic comic book superhero sense cuz he probably was coming off of 2009 was watchmen i don't even know if he saw it but if he did he probably didn't like it no, uh, i can't imagine he watched it yeah yeah. Who watches The Watchmen? Not Alan Moore. <laughs> Not him. Gibbons, like, Gibbons was involved, I think. Yeah, he was. I, uh, I had him sign my original Watchmen number one, and we talked about it a little bit. Um, oh, hell yeah. 
I wanted to just pile on there, Deepak, you were saying about nihilism, right? Like, it's dangerous when you're a teenager. It's interesting when you're in college. And then, like, when you get into your 30s, it's just exhausting. You become part of the problem, essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's just the cycle of, of generations, right? But one thing that jumps out at me about the whole thing is that, like, if we go back to Watchmen, and there's a related topic here, Jack, that I want to come to you on. If we go back to Watchmen, mm-hmm. the whole thesis of Watchmen is that superheroes probably aren't a good idea. Right. Like that's right. what the book's about. And there's no way know, to like, check them. There's in right. a system that's built on checks and balances. Who watches the Watchmen? Right. Exactly. And that like so I kind of feel like he's made this point And now he's like, I don't know, like saying that making the point was the problem. His particular take no, on this. I, th- is I think. His, well, sorry not to cut you off, but going back to your sort of thesis about him sort of self-loathing where he stands or where he yeah. thinks he stands relevant or relative to everyone. He he's made a point, and I think some of us have understood the point, but the point metastasized into this totally different thing that I think he blames himself for not having made the point clearer. Right, and I feel like he made the point just yeah. fine. He's on right. he infamously on Times hundred greatest novels in the English language. I feel like the point was made. But Jack, <laughs> I want to throw to you now because if we get away from Watchmen, there's also the V for Vendetta conversation in which like people around the world use that visual iconography like in active fights against like mm-hmm. what they view and and what a lot of us probably view as you know nefarious forces in the world right so like fascism authoritarianism yeah mm-hmm. right Oligarchy. The, anonymous is out there you know hacking russia or whatever and helping the war in ukraine mm-hmm. so or, you know the ukrainian effort in, for the war in ukraine um so I guess, I don't know, just like how does that sort of, like the only way that I can really point my finger at a real result of a superhero piece of media influencing people in the real world is a comic about fascism by Alan Moore that seems to have redounded <laughs> to the good of society. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to just discredit him outright. Like he, he is, uh, he certainly has good ideas, but it does feel like... Uh, have, sorry. I think you're right. I think a lot of comic books are meant to be taken in a more serious way than others, and uh, maybe there is something to be said for like <clears throat> celebrating like individuals in a in a cult of personality sort of a way, which certainly mm. could be used uh, or is a technique used by cult leaders and fascist leaders and all sorts of things. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's a pretty far stretch to call, like, Batman fans on that same level. I don't know. Yeah, the, to say that they are primed for Trumpism or whatever because right. they were just so into Bruce Wayne. That they, well, yeah. let, me, let me take it a step further. Let me take it to say, what if he means that the general public's appetite for simplistic, childlike stories that are about superheroes makes it easier for a dictatorship or a fascist government to come in and control their minds and control what they consume or control how they react to media. Mm, I guess. Because right. Because they're already primed for the narrative, you mean? They're primed for very simplistic storytelling yeah. where it's, there's no shades of gray. It's you know, 1984 people on one side of the stuff. aisle or the other can say something so totally ridiculous that they know is true, that they know everyone knows is true, but it doesn't have any effect on the polls, and we see that everywhere. Yeah, I just guess in general, like, am I more because inclined... Because we paint in black and white, right? We paint totally... Yeah. yeah. I get what you're saying. I'm just asking, like, it, do I lay that at the foot of, of you know, 
Image Comics or do I lay that at the foot of like CNN? Right? Like, which well, yeah, one? I mean, it's not. I don't think one thing is is yeah. totally guilty, but it's symptomatic of what we're kind of struggling with as a whole when it comes to the pop culture landscape. I think the the new Matrix movie kind of got into this better than anything, actually. Oh but yeah, that's a great goal. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think that what Deepak is saying is actually what Alan Moore meant. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, because just because the the word that he uses like infantilism or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that this is a new concept that comics are the problem of, right? I feel like every generation has always been, like, bitching about the new generation and also, like, lamenting and wanting simpler times, right? Like, that's something that's been going on forever. But that's nostalgia. That's part of it. Right. Well, that, that's what he's saying, though, right? Like, is that mm-hmm. you know, we're all nostalgic for the simpler, like, superhero comic type book times. And so that's why we all – he's saying that's why we like Batman, which is, right. I mean, I think that's wrong, but I just think it's one of those typical generational things, right? Where, like, the older generation is always bitching about the newer generation consistently. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, sure. that's not I mean, changed that point, in, like, 4,000 years, right? Like, I remember when I was, like, an eight- or nine-year-old boy, I felt like I was too young for Batman because the Chris Nolan movies were coming out at that time. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> Uh, that's a great perspective to have on it, Jack. And I, I agree with you, Fred, too, that like it, I think that's the thing, right? Is it's just so ironic to have Alan Moore, the guy who kind of made comics into a thing that adults could enjoy without being like ridiculed on the Metro or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he is now the guy who's waving his fist and going, damn kids today and their superhero stories. <laughs> um, can I end this conversation with a quick anecdote about the time Alan Moore wrote Spawn? Oh, I didn't know he wrote that. He wrote one issue of Spawn. He was the first person who wasn't Todd McFarlane to write an issue of Spawn. Mm -hmm. So it was a big deal when it happened. He wrote issue number eight, and it's not about Spawn at all. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know, and I imagine most people listening to this know, but just in case, Spawn is a character from Image Comics. He's kind of like a Batman equivalent, right? He has like some supernatural powers, but you can imagine him kind of like a Batman. There was a Batman from hell, right? It was was a good movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So, in Alan Moore's issue of Spawn, it really doesn't feature Spawn at all. It is about the first guy that Spawn sends to hell in the first issue, right? And what happens is that this guy just has to live in hell in, like, a loop of, like, the worst moments of his life or whatever. And that makes sense as an interpretation of hell. But the funny context to put around it is that Alan Moore was five years out of writing any comic book. He had been out the game. And Image Comics came to him and asked him if he would write this, and he said no. And then they just backed up a big truck of money, and he was like, oh, fine. But it's really funny to me to imagine Alan Moore being like, well, what do I want to write about? Oh, what about a guy who's fucking trapped and can't escape, even though he doesn't want to write comics, I mean, be in hell anymore? Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's all the insight you need into Alan Moore's opinion about comic books these days. So... (laughs) Just wanted to throw Why it did they there. go after him specifically for that? I'm curious. He's a big name. Just for the box office? Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, gotta right. be, right? It was stunt casting at its finest. Alright, so Fred, Jack, I, I told all of you guys, but Fred and Jack, you guys are probably the only ones that this clocked for. I, I have ordered a Steam Deck. Yeah. It's going to be here in two weeks. Okay. I'm pretty nervous. Sure. I left a steamer on the deck, but that's... I was going to ask, Deepak, do, do any of these words mean anything to you? <laughs> not in the context... 
you probably mean. Cool. <laughs> yeah, individually, and, all those words <laughs> make sense yeah. to you. Fred and Jack, I would like to take a step out of this conversation. I'll follow up in a couple of weeks and we can see how it went. But can you guys just take like five or ten minutes and kind of talk to and help Deepak understand why this is such a, a thing that has me so anxious? <laughs> Please don't take ten minutes. Okay, Deepak, you, you remember when you had a Nintendo... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You remember how, like, the Nintendo Switch let you take that Nintendo on the go? I've never played a Switch in my life. Okay. So, like, you know, you've got these fond memories of the Switch, and you're playing Nintendo on the go. Ah. And now you've got, like, a like a gaming computer, like a gaming PC. You know how you, like, have one of those, right? I don't know if this is. Oh, so this is, this is like, I get to play the, uh, the, the guy walking around the office game, but I can play it wherever I go. That was pretty fast, actually. Pretty quick on the uptake. (laughs) All right, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So that's what the Steam Deck is: is a Nintendo Switch for your gaming PC. Is how I uh, think of it. I mean, more specifically, it does. So is that not just an iPad? Well, mm. so so more specifically, it is a piece of hardware that's released by a company called Valve, who also runs one of the most popular game libraries, Steam, which you probably got the walk-around game Steam on. And, Steam and Valve, I, yeah. That, yeah. That was, I aware of. Mm-hmm. So, so Valve and made they, the And Steam they make Deck. great software. They do make good software. Do and they make great uh, They have a lot of failed hardware projects. And, they and made I've the, bought all of it. <laughs> yes, Riley is a known backer of a lot of them. Um, they have a controller that they don't support anymore. They have a way to sync up to your TV that they don't make anymore. And now they're releasing a Switch. Uh, and Riley has bought it, and it took, like, three years. It's probably too long, but I feel like it was a really long time from announcement to people actually getting it in their hands. Well, there was a pandemic in the middle there. That's true. It probably didn't help. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Newell pointed that out to everybody, yeah. They, that also, controller it, is really cool, though. Like, it's got a lot of buttons. It's funky. It's great in concept. So my main question is, are they continuing to release failed hardware just because Riley keeps buying it? <laughs> probably, well, clearly probably. he's not alone. A lot of people said that this was going to like put the Switch out of business, which was ridiculous because they serve very Ooh. different markets. Yeah, that might be the hottest take I've heard in a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, it, and then nobody got it. It does also years. cost over four hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> for the controller or the the no, the device? Switch, the Switch. Oh wow. Yeah, how much does the Steam Deck cost? No, sorry, the, the Switch deck. is three hundred dollars. The Steam Deck is over four hundred dollars. Oh yeah, Deck. Okay. And I got the base model. Oh, um, what are the higher level models? What do they do that the base doesn't? They have more memory. They come with a case. Um, and this so there's was not there's not expandable memory with like micro SD. There is. I got a that's but this is the thing is even so I got a micro SD card and headphones and I spent like two hundred dollars just on that right mm-hmm. like you gotta buy better headphones man. <laughs> I mean, you know, enough. The, the, the micro SD you got is very nice micro SD. It's a terabyte. Yeah. yeah because um, I wanted to be able to play stuff. That'll do yeah. it. Um, the, I think the, the base Steam Deck by itself has about as much memory as an iPhone. Like, yeah, it's 64 gigabytes. Right. It's basically nothing. You're committing to getting an external. If you upgrade the five, so the 500, the, that base model is 400, and then there's taxes and stuff. The next step up is $530, and that's 256 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. And and it also has a carrying case and some digital bundle thing you get. And then the and I mean, there are games 50... that are easily 80 gigabytes on their own. Yeah, right. This is, yeah. We'll talk oh, about yeah, this easily. in a second. Yeah. yeah. And then the next one is $650 and it's 512 gigabytes and 
Yeah, again, it has like anti-glare glass or something. Yeah, this is the problem. Is the game? So let's do God of War file size. I think I know the RDR2 is. Oh, I thought that was a console game. Well, it is. This is the thing, Deepak. Is I was so my Switch was stolen. I was thinking about getting a PlayStation. Stolen. Yeah, I know. We'll talk yeah, about well, that. Yeah, well, that's a whole lot. But switched owners. So, yeah, this, so this is the second person on this podcast to have a Switch stolen. Yeah, it's going around. So I was like, how about instead of doing it's both those me. things, I get the Steam Deck because I can play a lot of PlayStation games I want to play on the Steam Deck, like God of War, right? Um, so it's 90 gigabytes to play God of War. Mm-hmm. So that's already hands down more than I have on my internal storage, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's just happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not happening. Red Dead Redemption 2. Jack, you want to take a guess? I'm looking at it. Oh, I, I would. I thought it was uh, like 80, yeah. But I might 120 be gigs. Else. Is it 100? I, I, 150. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, more than a disc. That's a big. So, it's yeah, bud. Yeah, it was two yeah. discs to install it. Yeah, it's the, also it comes with two discs. The thing is, like, no matter what yeah. version of the Steam Deck you get, you're you have to get a micro SD, right? Like, there's yeah. there's no way you're just like even at the most 512 gigs. Was that the most? Yep, that's the. Peak. I, I mean, yeah. but even with all that, you're only playing one game at a time. It's not like you're taking a library with you, right? Well, or I think. Fred might underestimate the number of people whose Steam libraries are a thousand very small indie games. Yeah, right. But oh, you fair. definitely can't be lugging around your whole, like, AAA uh, library with you now. No, you could probably have one game on there. But yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see if it works. I'm hopeful. I spent a lot of money on it. Sure would like it to function correctly. I've heard people say it rules. I, it so, has like, joysticks, which is cool. <laughs> they have it has joysticks, which is cool. <laughs> Um, but what is what is the big picture like if it works or if it doesn't work for Steam in the long run? Oh, mm. like, it's like a great Steam question. Take been... a sizable hit if it doesn't work, or do people just go back to playing Steam the way they have for like twenty? I think people yeah. just go back to playing Steam on their computer. Yeah, I certainly yeah. think that'll still be the major way people use it. But um, it might. I mean, Valve does seem to really want to be a bigger name than they kind of are and so if they can have does, a real major success that might help them i i know that they use does playstation have a like latest gen portable device now oh no, no i don't what, believe so okay. what they have done fred and we can get more into this conversation on another episode if you're interested because i've been looking into this race recently what playstation has done is they is it called playstation go you I can that was like 10 years ago already ps now that's what it's called. PS Now. You're thinking of HBO. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can play their, you can cloud stream their games to other devices. Okay. So like if I own the new Spider-Man game on PlayStation, I think I can also play it on my PC. Interesting. Okay. But like I, I have to own it through. So I think I haven't looked into it a ton, but that was I my understanding. Xbox lets you do something similar on your <clears throat> phone. Like they yeah. have a control. Yep. It. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you can do the same thing on PlayStation. Yeah, if you get the okay. backbone, um, which we've talked about on the show before. Okay, until cool. So anyway, stay tuned to, to see if I. Until eventually we get to the one Xbox and the one PlayStation housed at Sony and Microsoft's headquarters that we purchased time <laughs> off of by the man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you have to play the virtual games. You can't bring your own disc. They won't allow that. Uh, stay Stadia tuned to see whether or not I threw seven hundred dollars into the void. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Fred, if Stadia has taught us anything. Is that you need the hardware at home? Buy physical media.
boys want to talk a Mario? Yeah. Wahoo! Now, hold on, Jack. What was, Jack, what's this character you're doing? I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know who that guy is. Where am I? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? <laughs> so we got the trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie, and it was people had varying opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Jack... I want you to lead this. Uh, take oh, us okay. into the world and kind of talk to me a little bit, because you you came to me with a great idea that I would like to get to eventually, but I don't know if that has to start the <laughs> yeah, conversation. Yeah, we can build off. to that. Um, so Nintendo announced that they were having a presentation, a Nintendo Direct, as they call their presentations, uh, focused around the Super Mario Brothers movie that was announced at another Nintendo Direct some time ago. Uh, people were kind of expecting a trailer, and that is what we ended up getting. Um, it's pretty short, and it only features real dialogue from three characters. Well, four, one amazing side character and three main characters. One amazing <laughs> side character who should get all a whole series of movies if there's any justice in the world. Uh, See, so, I agree with you guys, but I think we all are thinking of different side characters. Let's we'll say it on three. One, two, three. King, the Penguin King. King, King, King. King. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, Luigi. <laughs> I don't think he had any real lines, but I was interested in his the, I don't think he's in the trailer. Yeah, he's a, he gets an end clip. being. He's the stinger at the end where he's oh, I don't think scared of ghosts. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so the trailer, we see Bowser being played uh, by Jack Black, who I thought was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yes, good mm-hmm. voice performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was coming in on a frankly horrifying like flying Mount Doom castle. Love he that comes for him. In he had he big had... Thanos energy. Yeah, Love really. That for him. I thought that was great. I actually do think that like the royal procession where he was being announced was pretty good. Yeah, I liked that. I was like, okay, cool. This is this is a good way to make this character cinematic, right? Mm-hmm. He is. He is a warlord king, like something out of samurai Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and they treat him that way. Um. Then he comes and he attacks these adorable and incompetent penguins. <laughs> Who just throw so many snowballs. <laughs> They're really good at throwing snowballs. They've clearly practiced a lot. Uh, but it, it's to no avail. Bowser ends up melting their castle. And it seems like they had a power star, which he, he seems to be after. Which is, I guess I never really thought about that. But that would be the Collecting McGuffin. infinity stones. Right. right. Is he going to have to get put all six of them in his glove? Let's find out. Well, I imagine when he consumes one, he becomes invincible, right? Oh, <laughs> do, you, do you think he, like, eats it and then, like, slats, sad, slow? No, but, like, but, like it's ominous because it's Bowser, so it's like... Oh, amazing. So, yeah, that we, we see his whole evil plan come to fruition, and then uh, the moment of... The, the moment everyone's talking about. The, the most disappointing Mario part of the Mario movie. <laughs> as Chris Pratt. <laughs> so I love we, that it's Mario as Chris Pratt. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like do we want to talk about the voice? Because, yeah, my, my, if we could, let's, do the, let's play our Alan Moore game again. My take was that it sounded like Mario doing a really good Chris Pratt impression. <laughs> I mean, it does, people have been saying that he's not doing anything, and I don't. I don't agree with that. I, that's no. correct. If yeah. like you'd never heard Mario before, but someone like described to you how Mario like sounded and his catchphrases, 
like you might think that that was Texas. how the most stereotypical Italian cartoony voice you've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, like someone told Chris Pratt, "Okay, this is how he sounds, and this is like what he says." And Chris right. Pratt and Mar- just and, went with that, and not. And Chris Pratt in 2022 was like, "Okay, well, obviously, I can't be like offensive." Right. Let me be clear: the, the regular Charles Martinet Mario voice cannot carry a 90 minute film. <laughs> <laughs> I might disagree with that, but we'll get into it. <laughs> I, uh, here's the thing, though. Like, so you guys have played Mario Kart before, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's like a, a phrase, and I think Mario says it in all the games, but I haven't played all the Mario games, so I don't know for sure. But in my head, he's like, like, here we go. And like, that's what he says, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which like, cool. says it when you start the missions in Super Mario. Right. As soon as mm-hmm. you like jump into the painting. But like. Chris Pratt doesn't say that. He says something just slightly different than that. Mm-hmm. He extends like, here we go. Here we it go. Says, here, here we come. Or here I come, yeah. I think. Yeah, right? It's, it's right. like here so close <laughs> that it's infuriating to me. Because I like, I hear it and I'm like, that's not the perfect quote. That's not right. And like, well, my brain doesn't let me get over that. So this, the this, devil's advocate um, argument that I've read online and you guys can help me out with this. I, I don't know anything about the Mario lore. I just know exactly what's been in the games that I've played, which are 20 years old at this point. Is it true that he's supposed to be a plumber from Brooklyn? Jack? Well, okay, yeah. So Now. That is the plot of the original Mario Brothers movie, which we have somehow made it this far without discussing. The live action with <laughs> mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins. Yes, and the 93 film. Which so I do not, have on a DVD. Okay, so the reason I ask is, is that canon to the video game? Is there isn't no, there's I, so really a canon to the video game, I would but put, it's definitely not that. I would put Jumpman more into, like, construction, right? Because, like, that's the original Mario. Is He's, like, working yeah, on he the plumber. He goes in plumber. pipes. Or he was originally a carpenter. Yeah. The plumber thing came just from, like, the pipe association. Yeah. So the, the, the devil's advocate argument is that he's not necessarily the Mario from the video game yes. that has the cartoony voice that we've known all along. He's from another world. He stumbled into this now through some kind of portal that we see sort of in the trailer. Yeah, that was what and I was suggesting dead. to Riley earlier. I, I, yeah, my correct. theory was uh, yeah, Jack. that he gets like isekai'd in. And I don't think <laughs> he dies, but you know, he, he ends up transported into this world. I think it specifically starts live action. Uh, and we have part. real Chris have Pratt. have to say that. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting. And that's why they had to cast, like, a movie star. <laughs> and then he's going to get, like, fall into a toilet or something. And then he ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom. And, and then he's trying to find his way out. And he gets caught up in this so whole b- romance with Peach and everything else. Yeah. And I, I would hope, although I don't have real evidence for this, that over the course of the film, like, the... Cartoony world leeches into him slowly, and he becomes more Mario esque as we go. So that by the end, he's like in the full wahooing on top of Bowser and everything else. That's my dream. Yeah, this, and then he'll choose to remain a cartoon for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a better movie than they're gonna. Yeah, it's Avatar <laughs> with Mario, and th- this is a better movie than the fine people at um, at Dream uh, Universal are gonna provide. Illumination. Us. I am. Um, Illumination, thank you. It is Illumination, not so, Universal. And then here's my one well, great. Universal about owns it. Illumination. And, and uh, well, sure, but I, I'm I'm sure there's like a hundred different reasons why this can't happen. But why isn't this movie going to be available on my Switch? <laughs> right, right. Like it's a Mario movie. Like put it on the Switch. No, 
Yeah, here's the reason, Fred. And I don't know if you know this or not. It's because Universal is about to open Mario Land. <laughs> oh. Yes. Universal. Yeah. Ha- oh my gosh, I'm so glad it, I get to talk about this. It already exists in, in the like a theme park. I thought I was gonna have to save this for a nerd out. Yeah. So they are. Universal is opening a new land, and it includes. Right. Hold on. Let me get the map up. It's yeah. good to have land. It, it is good to have land. Let you do whatever you want. What? Uh, I was just watching a. I was watching a, a piece this morning spotlighting. Uh, land. No, J.D. Dubs, our good man, John David Washington, doing, uh, he's on Broadway right now, and this that was a line. Oh, he is? Oh. Yeah, it's really good. It's him and Sam Jackson. I was obsessed. I was like, Maggie, oh, we have to. I might need to try to make that. You might have to. I forgot how close you live to it. Here I we go. Missed, I, I missed Daniel Craig, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. So here's what you've got. So they're expanding the Wizarding World, right? And then... That, like, the Wizarding World is kind of going to be a part of this new land now. And here are the other lands that exist in this epic universe. That's what they're calling it. Like, so it's Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure, and the Epic Universe. And the Epic Universe is the Wizarding World, Universal Monsters, How to Train Your Dragon, and Super Nintendo World. And Super Nintendo World specifically right now has a Mario Kart Dark Ride, which is like an inside roller coaster kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A Donkey Kong coaster, a Yoshi family ride, and a Toad Cafe, as well as a Nintendo store. Um, oh, that actually sounds good. I mean, it looks awesome, but this is the thing. is like, this is all of a piece, right? Mario mm-hmm. is going from being, and this goes back to your Switch question, Fred. Mario is going from being a Nintendo video game character to being a massive piece of IP that has to underwrite a theme park, mm-hmm. right? So it, it, it's weird, because in the past... Jack, you can speak to this better than I can. But in the past, right, Nintendo has been so, like, skittish Mm. about letting other people touch their stuff. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, he's a theme park. I mean, they've been terrified to let, like, there are guidelines about Mario games within the company and what he's, like, allowed to do. That's why all of the interesting spinoff games are with Luigi (laughs) or other characters. But, like, yeah, I'm going to hear, I'm going to. I'm going to drop a picture of Mario World into the chat while we talk. And Jack, this is a point that I remember I made years ago, and you you explained all this to me as a way of trying to write off, explain what I was saying, but I still hold to this. I think the problem with this movie is going to be that Mario is the least interesting character in the Mario universe. Yeah, and I mean, he is, because he's not allowed to, like, have a personality. It does look great, though. He's not allowed it to, looks- like, have a personality. <laughs> It looks really cool, doesn't it? That's real. That actually exists. Like it's that's not a, a real place. <laughs> oh, oh dang. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, here's a picture of people standing in front of it to prove to you how real it is. It looks wild. I can't wait. We should do a podcast episode. It there. looks like, yeah. But yeah, so this is the, like, I'm just really curious, like, and I, I liked seeing mm-hmm. Luigi, not just because, as we all know, it is the year of Luigi, but <laughs> no, also because, <laughs> also because... It tells me that Mario is not going to have to carry this whole movie like himself, which would be well, and that's so boring. And that's another point in the uh, it's a human person who's been transported here theory. Um, maybe even Luigi is too. But like, then it doesn't have to actually be Mario, an empty husk of a shell of a man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, sure. It can be a guy. You can have given like character traits and uh, opinions and dialogue. <laughs> Now, the trouble there, though, is they have cast Chris Pratt. Who is an empty husk of a shell of a man. Why does everyone hate Chris Pratt now? Um, I never liked him as a dramatic actor. I thought he was the weakest part of the first Guardians movie, and I thought he basically 
I would have lifted him out of the second Guardians movie entirely, and I think it would be improved. Um, in general, though, I think it has come to the surface that he has some MAGA tendencies that people aren't super thrilled about. Oh, okay. I don't know he's like for. the most popular guy. Like they were casting him in everything, and now Twitter hates him. So. I don't know anything. I don't know how the winds of like, Twitter always. Yeah extreme it is but i do think he is like definitely conservative and he's been doing yeah. pretty good well, at he's very that. religious that right yeah i think yeah. he goes to like a hold on let me i think his church was problematic at one point yeah sure. yeah i think that was the thing i think it was like the church he went to i don't think he said anything like personally offensive. he also like but, donates money in ways that, not yeah. everyone agrees with yeah yeah but this is the thing like he has a personal life that whatever like maybe butts up against his yeah. public image and I, I don't know i just i think he's funny let him be funny <laughs> yeah. like if he yeah. gets to be funny in this movie that'd be great I'm a, i don't like him staring at raptors it's boring i'm a big fan and of the lego the films and so i think that he's not will... the reason those movies are boring no that no, i didn't he say that. Just, he's not helping <laughs> <laughs> he's just not helping he is not the problem there anyway i i was gonna say i, I really like the lego films i think if he pulls that, if he brings the Lego energy into Mario, I'll be fine with it. Yeah, it's like, true. Mm, I didn't forget that. Was I him. should revisit the Lego movie. That's a great point, Fred. Because there, yeah, be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the second one's like more, even more self-aware than the first one, and it was because he voices two mm. different characters in the second one. And, like, the second <laughs> character is all of Chris Pratt's combined films. Yeah, that films. sounds good. <laughs> and it's really, it's really funny. <laughs> like, I was watching with my son, and I just, like, burst out laughing. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, because he's, he's a space guy and a raptor wrangler, and, like, he just starts <laughs> listing off things. And it's just like, ah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I really like, so Deepak has often talked about how he can, Deepak, you can just do go back to the office over and over again, and you'll be content. Parks and Rec is like that for me. Like, I can just mm-hmm. throw on Parks and Rec. At, yeah, and I yeah. think he's really, yeah, really like, funny in that. And, like... I guess that is, maybe that's what I'm hoping for in this movie. Like, if we, you know, we try, we've had some fun being negative, but as a brand, we do try and be positive about things, and we say it all the time, let's wait till we see it. If, and and why wouldn't it be? I actually recently tweeted this, all video game movies should be comedies from now on. I think that that would make them all better. But, because video games are fun to play, mm. so make a movie that's fun to watch. Um, if this is a comedy and Chris, well, hold on, I will circle back to that because I have a proof concept. But... Let him tell jokes. Let him be a funny Mario. Let him do goofs. I think I'll enjoy it. Jack, what about a Hitman movie where the hit where Agent Forty Seven is a wily coyote style silent <laughs> protagonist who keeps just not? Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> I can. I, I'm just thinking of like la, like uh, oh like last like Last of Us, but it's a comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, maybe not all of them. <laughs> I don't know. Where are we at? We thumbs up, thumbs down on the Super Mario movie. I'm thumbs up. I think it looks funny. I think it looks it's colorful. It looks like Mario. It looks like the world that we've all played in. And I'm willing to give the voice a pass for now because we've heard like mm-hmm. four words of it. Right. And you there's said- always a chance they could pull a Sonic and have him re-record his line. <laughs> pull a Sonic and make him fatter. I want to, I yeah, to make him more of a dumb thick. Yes. Make him Let's go. Juicy. <laughs> I mean, like, Jack Black always hits, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, all of the other performances we heard were really good. Even the Toad was... If you want to talk about a voice that can't carry for a whole film, all Toad voice can carry for, like, two sound effects. So, uh, I I think that... I I will... Yeah. I'll give another perspective here, which is that I grew up with Tintin, not just reading the comic books, but watching the old Canadian TV show, the cartoon. Hmm. And all those characters have very specific voices, obviously not as iconic as Mario. But then you get the Spielberg movie about 10 years ago, and the thing they did there is they made Haddock Scottish. 
which is not how he was in the original show. So that was a huge thing when I was sitting there watching the movie, like, why the fuck does he sound like this? <laughs> but it's different. It's not what it probably should be based on source or certainly based on the cartoon that was based on the same source. But that doesn't mean it's bad. Like, you get used to it within 10 minutes. So maybe the same thing will happen here. Like, it's not what anyone wanted or anyone expected, mm-hmm. but it may not necessarily be. And, yeah, I think, I think this is the question, right? Is like, so let's take the Chris Pratt of it all and put it on a shelf for a second. Everybody else I feel excited about. Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach. Charlie Day as Luigi. Jack Black as Bowser. Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Fred Armiston as Cranky Kong. Um, Mm. Who am I getting here? This is a name I don't recognize. Um, I recognize the... Actually, I don't recognize either of them, the character or the actor. Oh, this guy's... uh, He's the guy who plays... He's the guy who plays Joey Gallo in The Irishman, Deepak. Oh, Maniscalco, yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, he's playing Foreman Spike, and then... Um, Who is from Wrecking Crew. Isn't that the, the, the turtle shell with the spikes? Let's see if I can get a... Uh, no, no, he's in a, some obscure game. It looks like maybe he's their boss? Matt Pack did this great, like, film theory, if you guys watch any of that on oh, yeah? <clears throat> about it. It's like, yeah. Um, I wish I could remember it, but it it's like... He was using his evidence that we're going to get, like, a Jumpman sequence first with, like, Mario working construction, and Spike is, like, mm. part of that group. Oh, uh, so then it is going to be very New York, because that guy is, like, the definition of New York. That was the that was the film theory by yeah. Matt Peck, yeah. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't yeah. surprise me. And that's the thing, right? Is like, so, I guess that's where I land, is, like, it sounds like they know what kind of movie they're making, and it sounds like they're making a good movie, so, like, I'll give Chris Pratt and his vaguely Brooklyn accent a pass for now, I think. I'm still up for it. I would... It's it's like Brook... It's like if Perrier had a Brooklyn <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to, like, criticize the accent too much, because, like, it, we and we touched on this before, you can't do the stereotypical Mario accent right now, right? Like, Maybe. that's not... That's not gonna fly. So, like, he has to do something different. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna harp on him too, too much for that one. In Mario 64, when he fell asleep, he would mumble spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> what does uh, what does Charlie Day do? Uh, do we we kind of just get a sound effect. All, or is it just like a clip? Um, oh, okay. No, Jack, remind me how you say it. This is the only button that I do want to put on this, just because, like like with physical media, I'm always out here supporting voice actors. Jack, how do you say his last name? Is it Mark? Oh, uh, Charles Martinet. So yes. I am a little bit bummed just because, like, he, I guess, has a cameo role in the movie. Yeah, they haven't really made clear what his role will be, which, again, in my theory, I'm hoping that by the end he will be providing the the more chipper of Yahoo's. Right. And that would be fun. But, like, he's been the voice of Mario since 1992, right? And, like... Mm-hmm. He, he was the original. He's he's going to be voice of <laughs> the big Bob Hoskins. <laughs> and they just would, you know... We've talked before about how, like, post-Aladdin, voice acting became very different, right? And suddenly there was this idea of getting big names Mm -hmm. to do voice acting parts so that it would be a draw, right? When you see the name Chris Pratt on a Super Mario poster, like, the parents are willing to go sit through it with the kids and you make more money, right? It's just a bummer that that's the world we live in because Mm -hmm. there are so many talented voice actors, not just Charles Marier, but who could play all these characters, right? And I'm not saying that it has to be the person who plays Mm -hmm. them in the video game, but, like... You know, some, some of the all-time greats, right? Like, um, who can we think of? Uh, give me 30 seconds to scratch. 
Yeah, hey, Mark Hamill would be a great example, right? Oh. And again, it would also be a name on the poster. But I'm even thinking, like, uh, why am I blanking on Pinky in the Brain? Yeah, I should know more of oh, these. Rob, Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche, right? Like, two great voice actors who could have done any of the roles in this movie, right? They could have been your Toad and your Bowser there. Um, but they don't have any name recognition, right? And and those are, like, two of the most famous voice actors in the world. So if they're not getting booked, you know, nobody's getting booked. But it's just... My hobby horse I wanted to get on for a second. the biggest nerdy news from the last seven days we're glad you guys joined us once again we want to remind you that if you like what we're doing here head on over to nihf.com first screen you come to we'll let you subscribe it's totally free you get all of our stories straight to your inbox once a week and that includes the podcast you never miss a thing and if you love what we're doing and you want to help us do it you can always subscribe we have it set to whatever the lowest it can be in Substack is because it just kind of helps us you know feel like we're not screaming into the void all the time. So NAHF.com to see what we're doing and support the work. Now, it's time for pop culture recommendations. This is the part of the show where, oh God, I haven't done it in so long. <laughs> I know it's, it's watching, reading, eating, playing, or listening to, but I can't remember how I come up to it. Have we ever yes, done Yes, I do anything? eating sometimes. These are things we've been watching, read. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, I got it. The, uh, the yeah, we did the, reader, we did the pizza fat calzone. Yeah, we the did the papadilla. Uh, we do a lot of pizza. <laughs> the thing nearly killed It was a full episode of the Pat Kelsey. It wasn't just the pop culture. Um, now it's time for pop culture recommendations. These are things we've been watching, reading, eating, playing, or listening to that we've enjoyed lately and we think you'll enjoy too. And this week, I'm going to start with Deepak. So I actually don't have a recommendation. I'm telling you that I'm, like, the place I live is <laughs> There is a, uh, like, a specter, like a, like a something that haunts me that, like, follows me around everywhere in my apartment and is kind of like trying to tell me what to do and steer me this way or that way we did, we did want to we did want to congratulate you on your nuptials deepak so <laughs> so whatever this is uh no i don't have a traditional horror movie but yesterday i was able to go to the theater oh, yeah. and see triangle of sadness which is the movie that won the it uh, i yep. think it won the palm door right at Cannes, and uh it's it's not scary in the traditional sense, but as far as like it's it's kind of that parasite meets white lotus skewering of class system, social satire, and part of it has to do with a bunch of rich people being stranded on an island and they don't know how to do anything, and so they're reliant on the traditionally lowest form, of, like lowest person on the social ladder to actually do all the work for them, and how that person elevates themselves to the top of the food chain because they're the only ones that are talented or skilled enough to do anything and. Um, it does some really interesting stuff. It's not subtle, but it's really, really funny and really, really gross. And um, it's definitely worth seeing if you can get to the theater to see it. Otherwise, I'm sure it'll be on streaming. Or yeah, I'm excited for that one. Jackson, what you got? Uh, well, Riley, you and I went to go see a film in the theaters uh, oh, called yeah. Pearl, uh, which was pretty spooky. We, we It's the second film in the uh, X trilogy, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was pretty good. It was nice to be able to get out into it into the yeah. world again, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I've this is now the second year in a row I've gone to go see 
the seasonal spooky film. I'm enjoying the. And it, uh, if you can't get to the theater, you can you can rent X online, and that one's great too. Yeah, possibly even better. I didn't want to steal it from <laughs> those years. I just don't know why they would make a movie out of Mr. Krabs' daughter, and then they would make it. You didn't. You wouldn't think that it would work, but it really does. Well, the thing <laughs> is, the cast are real whale. Ah, so hold on now, Fred. Oh. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I had to back up for a minute. Uh. Yeah. So mine's actually not out yet, but it's something I've been keeping my eye on. It's uh the next installment of the Dark Pictures anthology. Hell yeah. Um. The Devil in Me. So. It, if you guys have followed uh, House of Ashes or Man of Medine, this is part of like that kind of anthology series where you like choose your own adventure horror game. Um, so that comes out in November of this year, and it's something I've been like keeping an eye on because those I always like love the lore and stuff. Of those games. Did you see they went really back and stuff. added a new character to Man of Medine? I don't even know what that I'm means, not. right? Like, how does that work? Character. We need to check it out sometime. That'd be fun. Um, And for me, I want to plug, oh, the new Marvel thing. You guys know how I'm not usually on the uh, MCU bandwagon as as vehemently as I once was. But that's the thing. It's like a special Marvel production or or something. So I don't think it counts. And that's that's why I liked it so much. It was just like I didn't have to think about like Infinity Stones or Kang. Yeah, right. I think that's the point as well. Yeah. So it's called Werewolf by Night. And it's on Disney Plus right now. It's directed by the great composer Michael Giacchino, who acquits himself admirably behind the camera, and I want to see more from him. Um, it's in black and white, no, mostly. There's a little bit of use of color for, like, weird supernatural dramatic effect. Um, it's it's a red jewel, but yeah, basically. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's about a, t- a team of monster hunters who are trying to prove themselves the best by hunting down a monster um, so that they can get the red jewel. And it's just, it's fun. It's just a good, fun comic book thing. And you, it's a, it's, it's a yeah, it's like 90 like minutes. Short film. I want to say, it might even, might yeah, even be shorter. Yeah. I, I, th- I, thought yeah, I was going to say, it might be an hour. Werewolf by Night. Um, mm-hmm. I should say runtime. 53 minutes. And that includes like the glut of Marvel post credit. Like, you know, they like, they have a ton of credits on the Marvel stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. It's, it's just knock it out. It's a good spooky watch. I like that so it's, it's directed by a composer. Yeah, man, That's I want to see if Michael Giacchino will do more stuff. He's, you know, he's. you guys have all known his music. He scored Lost. He scored uh, the most recent Batman movie, just to name two things that I know everybody here has seen yeah. at some point in their lives. He yep. won the Oscar for Up, and then he's mm-hmm. done a bunch of Marvel and does a lot of the J.J. Abrams This great, great music. Uh, this has been Nerd Here Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to head over to the website and subscribe. And if you want to leave us a rating and review, it really helps us find new listeners. Uh, and, as always, don't forget to tune in next week to hear Big Thanos Energy. Maybe 300.